Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Good morning once again, True North. How are we all doing this morning? Good, I hope. My name is Bobby, and in case you don't know me, I'm part of the teaching team here at the church. And as Pastor Jeff and Jordan said, we're going to be diving into a brand new sermon series starting today, uh, going through the book of James. So if this is your first time joining us this morning um, in our church, a very special welcome to you. Thanks for checking our place out. And you've actually come on a very good Sunday because we're starting a brand new series. So you know, come back. We're going to take, you know, the next several weeks to go through the book of James, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Every so often, we just like to dig into God's Word and see what He has to say to each of us. And um, I don't know how much I have for you this morning, but God definitely has something to say to you this morning, and my hope is, is that you will hear His voice today. Amen? Amen. So, um, if we're going to talk about the book of James, we should really start with who is James. Uh, many of you may already be pretty familiar with who James was, but in the off chance that you're not, there are some nuances there about James. So James, who wrote the book of James, is actually Jesus' brother, his biological brother, and that may be some news to some of you. Um, because yes, although Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and uh, God caused Mary to become pregnant with Jesus, Mary and Joseph were married, so after Jesus was born, they had other children, and Jesus had biological brothers and sisters. And we know that uh, James was Jesus' brother from Scripture in Galatians when um, Saul converts to Paul. He says early on that he, the only two people he met with in the beginning were Peter, the disciple, and James, the brother of our Lord. So Jesus was, I mean, James was um, Jesus' brother. Now, this can get a little bit confusing because uh, if you know anything about the 12 disciples, the original 12 apostles that Jesus called, there are actually two disciples who are named James. Neither of those disciples are James, Jesus' brother, who wrote the book of James. So there's two disciples named James, two of them, two different disciples named James, and then James, Jesus' brother, who wrote the book of James. We, you got that? We we square, it's like, what was that, like George Foreman, who's like, here's my son, George, 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 right? A lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of James going on. So, um, you know, an, another, you know, kind of uh, interesting thing or, or fact here was that um, James and all of Jesus' brothers actually didn't believe <laughs> who Jesus was and who he claimed to be. Um, and, and that might be a little strange to think about, but... Um, you know, if you think about it, Jesus spent the first 30 years of his life not in ministry, not doing miracles, not going out and, and preaching uh, the, the gospel of the kingdom of God. He was actually just grew up. He was a son. He was a brother. He was an older brother. He was a carpenter for many years of his life, and he was born in this town, Nazareth, that nobody really paid much attention, attention to. So when Jesus came out and said, hey, you know, I'm the savior of the world. I'm, I'm God in the flesh. You know, some of you have older brothers and sisters, right? If one of your siblings was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm the savior of the world, how would you respond, <laughs> right? And some of you are like, well, I do have an older brother, and I'm pretty sure he does believe that he is the savior of the world, <laughs> so I can relate, right? <laughs> 
So, you know, that's kind of the situation that, that, that Jesus was in, but, you know, his, his brothers actually mocked him. Um, and I, I have a verse here in John chapter 7, verses 2 through 5. I don't have it up on the screen, so bear with me. But it says, But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. His brothers mocked him. His own brothers who he grew up with mocked him. And it's also important to note that none of his family, aside from Mary, was at his crucifixion. Not his brothers, not his sisters, not any family, because Jesus, well, he was an enemy of the state. And we know that many of his disciples scattered at his crucifixion, and his brothers and his family, aside from Mary, were nowhere to be found. But James, Jesus' brother, winds up becoming an early leader, one of the first leaders in Christianity within the Christian church. And he writes the book of James, which is a letter to believers scattered throughout the region. So what changed? What is it that changed for James that he went from mocking his brother to believing in him? Well, his brother rose from the dead, right? Jesus was resurrected, and we see in Scripture that of the first few appearances after his resurrections, James, his brother, Jesus appeared to him. So if that doesn't change your mind, I don't know what will, right? Once your brother claimed all these things and now he actually rose from the dead, that had a big impact on James's life. And maybe there are some of you out there this morning, you're attending church for the first time in a while or maybe the first time ever, and you don't know what you believe about that, whether Jesus was raised from the dead. Well, this is an account of Jesus' own brother who came to believe because he saw his brother raised from the dead. So let's dive in to the book of James. Uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 says this. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. From not believing to mocking his brother to coming out and introducing himself as a slave of Jesus Christ. Pinnacle of humility, right? I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So James wastes no time in his letter. He gets right into it. And within the first two verses, I already have kind of an issue there. I don't know about you, but the words trouble... And joy, nonetheless great joy, for me are on opposite sides of the table. I don't put those things, two things together. I don't put trouble with joy, and I don't associate joy with trouble. I'm sure you feel the exact same way. But James says, trouble is an opportunity for great joy. Now, trouble is trouble, difficulty, trial, whatever you want to call it, things that come into your life that we are not pleased with, Right? They are an opportunity, and for most of us, they're an opportunity to complain, to whine, to woes me, to become bitter, to become angry, to become frustrated, and most of us use the opportunity that when difficulty comes into our life to let it form us that way. 
But as believers in Jesus, James tells us it's an opportunity for great joy because we know that trials and troubles test our faith. And when our faith is tested, it gives our endurance a chance to grow. Now, what does that mean, that word endurance, right? When you think of the term endurance, what comes to mind? Well, for me, the first thing that comes to mind is like a runner, right? Someone running a long race or a marathon, they have endurance. They can go the distance, right? They can run and run and run, and they have, they have this endurance. And, you know, I, I don't often do this. I don't love, you know, when, when preachers do this sometimes, but I looked up the definition of endurance. And when I read it, it kind of, it almost, it changed my mind a bit on how I see endurance, and especially in light of what James is talking about. But the, the dictionary definition of endurance is this. The power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. So it's not, endurance isn't like this wonderful thing, right? Endurance is enduring difficulty. It's going through difficulty and, and pain so that you can build yourself up so that the next time that pain enters your life, well, it won't break you because you've built some resolve. How many of you have had trouble in your life? I mean, that's a redundant question. I don't even need to ask it. We've all had problems. We all have difficulty. We've all been through stuff. We're all going through stuff, and we all will go through some stuff, right? And although <laughs> when you're going through it or when you're beginning to go through it, you wish it wouldn't happen. You wish it was something that you didn't have to go through or bear, but some of those things that you have gone through, you've come out the other end and they've made you wiser, they've made you more faithful, they've made you stronger, and you're a better person for it. This is what James is talking about. That when trials come into your life, it's an opportunity for joy because you know if you set your mind right, you can grow through this thing. And when you grow, the next time trouble comes into your life, it's not gonna break you because you have strength because you have endurance. Now, when we talk about joy, especially when we talk about joy and trouble, right, counting it all as joy in the midst of our troubles, it's not, that, it's not that God is looking for us to put on this big, bright smile and be these bubbly people when we're going through trials and difficulties. I mean, that's just weird, right? To, to try and manufacture some sort of, of joy when horrible things are happening to us, right? He doesn't call us to put on these, these fake things. It's okay to feel the pain, right? Have, uh, have, have, you, ever, have, have you ever heard of um, Hide the Pain Harold? Anybody familiar with Hide the Pain Harold? No? You probably are familiar. You just don't know what it's called. So there, there's a meme on the internet, right? It's, a, it's an image, okay? And I have it, <laughs> have it right. Yeah, you know Hide the Pain Harold, don't you? Yes, right? And usually there's some saying, I, I actually made this slide. I put counting all joy, right? How happy does Harold look, right? He's, you know, he's fighting. Like, he's, fi he's fighting through something. He's being told something, right? It's like you're not called to be like, oh, you know, house burned down there. Count it all joy. Nothing in the bank account this week. Oh, you know, just uh, counting it all joy, right? My husband, my wife, they want a divorce, but I'm just going to count it all as joy, right? You know, looking like, like Chevy Chase in Christmas Vacation when he gets to Jelly of the Month Club, right? It's like, ah, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. <laughs> We're not called to be 
hide the pain, Harold. It's okay to experience the pain. Now, you don't get, you don't get to choose what happens to you. None of us do, right? We don't get to choose the type of trouble that comes into our lives whatsoever. But trouble does come into our lives. But we do get to choose how we react to that trouble, right? We can either choose to become more bitter or we can choose to look for the opportunity for joy, the opportunity for growth. And how we see that and how we respond to that trouble, well, that's a level of maturity in our faith, right? The better we deal with that, the more mature we become. And James is telling us that we need to set our minds and hearts on God in the midst of trouble, saying to ourselves that, look, you can feel the weight of this thing, like this is gonna be hard, this is gonna be difficult, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm gonna look to God and for the opportunity for him to make my faith stronger because that's what he wants to do in us. You're always, whether you like it or not, you are always going to be transformed by the troubles that come into your life. They're going to change you. Difficult times are going to change you. You know that. You've been through stuff. You're in stuff. You, you may, maybe there's a trouble you're in that's chronic, that, that there really is It's something you've got to live with, right? But we can either choose to let those things break us and become miserable and angry and bitter and fall into depression and despair, or we can look to God for an opportunity for our faith to be grown. So when the next trial comes in, it's not going to be easy, but we'll be able to handle it because we know where we stand and that it's not going to break us. Now, you're thinking to yourself right now that, as I'm thinking to myself, like, that sounds pretty difficult, right? It's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you know, terrible things can happen to us. It's not an easy thing to be like, okay, I'm going to look for the opportunity of joy, but James continues on, and he tells us what we're supposed to do. He says, ask. In verses 5 through 8, James says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. So James says, <clears throat> you're going through trial, you're going through trouble, ask for wisdom from God. <clears throat> you have access as a believer to the wisdom of God. Sometimes we glance over these scriptures, but think about that for a second. Step back, right? James is telling us we have access. We have access to God's wisdom. The creator of the universe, who created everything we know, who created wisdom itself, we have access to God's wisdom. Now, just because you have access to something doesn't mean that you receive it. Sometimes there's something that we need to do, and um, my full-time job, I work in IT. I work in telecom, and we talk about access all day long. Access, access. Customer needs access. We need to provide them access, and whether you are familiar or not with what access means in the IT world, um, you, you actually, you actually kind of are very familiar with it because each and every one of you have internet coming into your house these days. I don't know anyone that doesn't. If you're out there, I apologize. But you have a line that comes from a telephone pole to your house or it comes underground or you have a satellite dish. You have some method to access the internet. That is called access. But that access is useless unless you provide power 
to that router and power to that line. Once you're plugged into a valid power source, well then all that information that you have access to, that can all flow down. And that's what James is saying here. Look, you have access as a believer. You have access to God's wisdom, but here's what you have to do when you ask. When you pray and when you ask God for wisdom, here's how to make sure you receive it. Make sure your faith is in God alone. Make sure your faith is in God alone. What does that mean? That verse is for you. If you're going through a trial or trouble or you're offering up prayers and you're seeking God for wisdom and you're asking God, but then after you ask God, you're checking your horoscope or doing a tarot card reading or consulting a psychic or maybe it's not even that hyper-spiritual. Maybe you're consulting some self-help guru or maybe you're looking to yourself for the answers. God's saying if, if he's not the source, if you're, doing, if you're, you're adding to, to what you can do and you're, you're, you're adding to where your faith is, well, you can expect to receive nothing from God. James is telling us, let's know the source of our faith and our source is God. And when our source is correct, when we're plugged in rightly to God, then we can expect that God is gonna speak to us and that he's going to give us wisdom. Now, James continues on in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. James says this, Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. What? (laughs) Um, It's like we're just talking about trials and troubles and building endurance and faith and asking God for wisdom. And now James is talking about the rich and the poor. And part of me just wanted to leave this verse out. <laughs> but we're going through the book of James and it was like, okay, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna do our homework, Bobby. We're gonna press through this one. And, and here's the thing. When it comes to scripture and reading scripture, we have to look at the context, right? So what are we already talking about here? We're already talking about faith, building our faith, endurance, right? We're talking about those things, and we're talking about receiving wisdom from God. And now James is talking about being poor and how the poor are honored. Being poor, having a lack of resources is a trouble, is it not? Is it a trial? It's a trial for some of you, right? When you don't know, right, where the next meal's coming from or where the next mortgage payment's coming from, where the next rent payment, the car payment, the insurance, you don't know how you're going to make ends meet for that month, right? Well, that's a trouble, and that's a trial. Well, that's an opportunity for you to lean on God. And And when it's hard and it's difficult, and month after month, you don't know where, how things are going to get met, but God meets that need. Well, that, be, that builds your endurance. That builds your faith, right? You're more reliant on God, and, and your faith is, is built because now the next time you're like, okay, I, it's going to work out. It's going to work out because I've been through this before. So that's what it means when he's saying the poor are honored because being poor and having trouble, you actually have more opportunity for your faith to grow. Now, it's not that there's anything wrong with being wealthy whatsoever, but, but James is saying the wealthy are humbled. Why are the wealthy humbled? Well, the wealthy are humbled because when you have resources and you have a lot of them, well, it's just one less area you really have to rely on God from, right? Right? I mean, some of us are are, are well off. You know, I I consider myself to to have a bunch of resources, and a lot of times I don't don't need to rely on God for the day-to-day, you know, so it's just, it's not a thought in my mind. So why, you know, why should we be humbled if we have resources? Because, well, it's basically that You know, God doesn't care how much we have or don't have. That doesn't matter to him. Possessions don't mean anything to him. 
money, status. This is nothing he's concerned with. James is saying, know the difference between the spiritual and the temporal, right? And it's not that being wealthy, you don't go through troubles, you just go through different troubles, right? James is just pointing out that, hey, when you're going through this stuff on a regular basis, there is opportunity for your faith to grow, and God is honoring you in those trials. James continues on in verses 12 through 15. He says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, tempted, do not say to God, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So again, what is James saying here? He's kind of juxtapositioning sin, right, versus testing our faith, right? So just like testing and enduring can grow our faith, if we feed our sinful desires and we feed those things, those things give birth to death. Temptation is another trouble. It's another trial that can come into our life, right? And if you give in to those things regularly, you feed those desires, and those desires lead to death, right? Whether you struggle with greed or lust or gluttony or whatever it might be, the more you feed those things, the more they grow. But the opposite is also true, and it feeds right into what James is saying about endurance and building up endurance. The more you resist temptation, the easier it gets to resist temptation. So let me paint a picture for you of that. So um, have, have any of you ever tried to go on a diet, right? Like maybe, you know, you've tried to cut out sugar for a week or a month or a year or whatever it is. And, and what happens the first day that you're like, you know what, I'm done with sugar for this month. I'm just, this month I'm going to cut it out. And that night, right, you, you go to some family event, you sit down, and then it's just someone drops a giant chocolate cake in front of you, right? And now it's time to test our metal, <laughs> right? Are we going to give in? Are we going to give in? But it's difficult. It's extremely difficult to watch everybody around you eating cake, and you're like, no, I'm not going to have any. I'm just going to have my water and smile, right? But if you resist that temptation to give in and eat that cake, and you make it through, the next time that you're faced with that, it gets easier, doesn't it, right? The next day, the next week, the next year, that by the time you're into that, the end of that month or that year, it's no big deal for you to resist that sugar because you've been resisting it and you've been in building up your endurance to resist that thing. It's the same thing James is saying here with the temptation. That's why those, he says, who got, are blessed who endure testing and temptation because like your faith, you're building up endurance to resist things that aren't from God. Now, James ends the first chapter, which is where we're going to, to land this sermon for today, with this. <clears throat> so don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from us, from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possessions. Let me ask you, do you own something that is extremely valuable to you? Do you have a prized possession? Do you have something in your ownership that you value above all else? 
Um, maybe it's something of actual value. Like if you're into baseball, maybe it's a Babe Ruth or a Honus Wagner card, right? If you're, you're into like Pokemon, it's like a Charizard first edition or something. Right? I'm not into Pokemon, but I looked it up. It's like really valuable. Um, you know, maybe if you're into comics like me, it's the appearance of a, of a, a new character, like a favorite character in a, in a comic book. But maybe it's not something of, of actual value to the world. Maybe it's something that's extremely valuable to you. Maybe it's a, a piece of furniture, right, that's been passed down in your family for, you know, maybe 100 years or something like that. Maybe it's uh, a piece of jewelry that your grandmother or something that your grandfather or someone who meant something you passed down to you. And if you were to lose that possession, right, you would, you would be distraught because you value it above anything else that you have. Well, James is saying here that you are God's prized possession. Think about that for a second, all right? Not only does he say you are God's prized possession, he says above all creation in the universe, above everything that God has created, he values you more. Above the stars, above the planets, above the sun, above the moon, above the heavens, above any natural wonder here on earth that he's created, above the angels, you are more valued as a believer in Christ. That is astounding that God sees you that way and values you over everything else that he created. That is unreal. Now frame that out for a second, okay? Frame that out in light of what we've been talking about with troubles and difficult times and building our endurance and building our faith. Think about how God sees you now. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm going through hard times and things are difficult and there's stuff in my life I don't want to deal with, sometimes I think that God is bringing it on me because I'm not good enough. Because I messed something up and now this is, this is the result. But that's not it at all. Read what James is saying. Read what God is saying to you. That you are valued to God above all else, above anything else that he possibly created so that when you're going through that trial and you're going through that trouble, what is God's position towards you? Man, he is rooting for you. And although he didn't bring the calamity, he's going to use that calamity to strengthen you, to build you, to make you stronger. That's what he wants for you. And I didn't say this in the first service, but I was thinking about it. You know, I was thinking about my kids, right? I have two boys and a girl, and I, I don't want them to have to go through difficulty. I don't, I don't want bad things and trouble in their life, but at the same time, they need to have difficult things come into their life. What kind of father would I be if everything was just provided and perfect for them and there was no struggle? They would be weak. They would break under the pressure of the first thing that comes their way. I want my kids to be strong. I don't want them to endure hard things, but you have to endure hard things to grow, to gain endurance. And this is, it's the same thing with God, right? It's that he loves us, that we are his prized possession. And if you walk away with nothing else this morning, I want you to grab hold of that. I want you to grab hold whether it's a trial you've come through or the trial you're in right now or the trial that's going to come in the future that above all creation, God loves you more than anything else that he made. Amen? Amen. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Jesus, Lord, thank you. Oh, thank you for your word, God.
Lord, sometimes it is just good to go through your scripture and, and Lord, those, those that you inspired to write things down so that we can glean your heart, God. Thank you, God, that I, that we, I can't even comprehend, Lord, how much you love us. Lord, and there is so much joy in the fact that we are valued as your most prized possession, Jesus. And Lord, in a minute here, we're, we're going to end this service as we normally do. We are going to go into another worship set right now. And Lord, I would ask for all of us that you would just set our minds and our spirits with that love, with that realization that we are your prized possessions, Lord, and that we would allow that to grow in our hearts and that we can give it back to you in worship this morning. We love you. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.